Something about Rodney, my boss, yesterday was just like came into work and he was like, "Dude, it's all about pound cake." And I was like, "The Van Lane, the Van Halen song." And he was like, "Yeah." And I was like, okay, "Yeah." Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Now Listen to This, an album review and ranking podcast where three hard-living scoundrels deep dive into a different album each episode. At the end, we'll each give the album a score from 1 to 100, then we'll put it into a ranking list to see how it stands up. My name is Brett Scott. With me today, as always, is Nick Poffenbarger. Hello. And Max Ravenscroft. Hey, guys. I- I'm to understand, Max, you've got a booger joke you want to tell. Uh, you want to get up top. This is, this is kind of actually going to be sort of a backdoor pilot for our new show. Um, so I'm just going to get right into it. Hello, fellow brain peelers. <laughs> and welcome to the first episode of Green Gold, the revamp 2.0 of the premier booger picking podcast. I'm your host, Boogie. And today, <laughs> Keep going. today, well, today we're slinging snot. <laughs> we're flicking nose candy. I like to imagine they take. What are you doing? What? <laughs> I do imagine that they take listener like emails at the end and they're like they're like yeah society doesn't understand this you know we're fucking, <laughs> it's like this this like cultish like adults it's only a scene. <laughs> this cultish booger adults picking. only booger picking like thing i had one more it was we're harvesting nose fruit <laughs> i still like the just the idea of having the pick of the week <laughs> it's really good I never thought of calling a person who picks their nose a brain peeler, but that's really funny. That's yeah, was that like, was that an such, original? That was an original. That's such a fucking like insult. <laughs> that's really good. I like that, and I like we're slinging snot. Yeah. Any good picks this week, Bug? <laughs> well, well, a grown man who goes by Boogie. <laughs> That's that's incredible. I was googling. I was like synonyms for boogers. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be flemmy. <laughs> you got one, Nick? No, no, I can't. I, I think on it for a while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I might have one by the end of the show. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, <clears throat> today we're talking about Dennis Wilson's Pacific Ocean Blue. Um, yeah. This was your pick, Brett. It sure was. I picked the fuck out of this. This was picked by Brett. And yep. It's a Brett pick. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, well, um, so do you guys have any experience with Dennis Wilson? No, other than just like knowing he was a Beach Boy and having listened to like the Beach Boys for a little while. And you'd never heard that the Beach Boys had like run-ins with the Manson family, stuff like that. I've I've heard like a lot of so that was just him. I've heard a lot of like weird like you know stories and whatnot about the Beach Boys history and whatnot, but it's very expansive. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I I've never it's akin, I've never delved it's akin in, to a Greek tragedy. <laughs> I've never delved into like any of the uh, side projects or solo stuff, really. Yeah, until this. The most I knew about Beach Boys was just you telling me stuff over the years, especially the the whole uh, what's the Brian Wilson. And, yeah. and his whole like issues with you know he like struggled with schizophrenia and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I I don't know if 
I don't know if I would call it, or if, if it's officially schizophrenia, but like all, all sorts of paranoia and sort of mental illness <coughs> issues. There is along with the drug abuse brief. and things like that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, also, I, I mean, you know, outside of the couple like classic songs, I, I barely know what the Beach Boys sound like. Interesting. Um, interesting. I can see that all of my harping on you to listen to the Beach Boys for the last 10 years has done nothing. It's, it's, yeah. All right. That's fair. It's like all my harping on you to, to listen to Dark Throne. Just, Why just would I do next that time, though? Next time, Brett. <laughs> next time, Brett's trying to trying to trick you into going to see the Beach Boys. Just uh, just, just take like, mushrooms. You get some mushrooms and get a Hawaiian shirt, and you'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, you had a great time. I, I had, would try. I had a wonderful time. I would try that. Except I don't know if I'd want to do mushrooms. It went from being the weirdest night of my life to one of the best. Yes, so it was good. <laughs> some religious experiences there at the Beach Boys show. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, this guy had a, a real tragic history. Yes. The Wilson brothers were sad, sad men. There's three of them, right? Yes. What's the, what's the other one's name? Brian Wilson, Dennis mm-hmm. Wilson, Carl Wilson. And Carl, Carl Wilson's the only one that's still alive? Carl Wilson passed away as well in like 98. Oh, what'd so, he die from? I want to say like lung cancer or something like that. Well, everybody smoked back then. It's true. Brian Wilson, ironically, like the one that you would maybe think would die is still kicking. He's like 90-something. Wow. I saw a video of him doing uh, um, Wouldn't It Be Nice with uh, some other singers. But he was he was doing like the Mike Love parts. So yeah, is yeah. the Beach Boys like, was it not just the Wilson brothers for very long? And like that's who is in the band now is kind of all the various members that filled in spots over the years? As far as I understand, the Beach Boys now is like it, they just tour under different yeah, so like things. I mean, the Beach Boys were the Wilson brothers plus Mike Love plus okay. Al Jardine. That's your classic lineup. Then they had Bruce the five Johnston. Of them? Yeah. Then Bruce Johnston came in. There was also David Marks, who was like their neighbor. He was kind of in and out in the very, very early years. Um, Bruce Johnston was like kind of a competing surf rocker guy who ended up joining the band sort of on a studio basis, but then ended up just becoming the sixth guy yeah and he we saw him with the the mike love version yeah like he was there yeah yeah because yeah. so, he's just like a he's just like a famed like songwriter in general yeah like it, it, he wrote i wrote i write the songs yeah which is yeah. i i think barry manilow's one of his hits yeah. but he he's like the the yeah he won a grammy for that your favorite beach boys is pet sounds right my favorite is sunflower okay pet sounds is up there some good shit it's like how they recorded pet sounds and they they're a band that has like a shitload of albums right like they didn't stop recording or did um, they did they kind of taper yeah, off at a point they, they had a shit ton of albums in the 60s one every couple years in the 70s one every few years in the 80s and then like a couple of real duds in the 90s are any of like the the 80s ones any good yeah i think they're they're fine network mm-hmm. uh kokomo not kokomo yeah. uh california dreaming <laughs> yeah the, that was yeah. the 80s, right? Yeah. Because uh-huh. they all looked all fucking I think cool. so. <laughs> or like super early 90s. California Dreaming is like a total highlight of that show. Yeah. they Their version like, is so good. Yeah. Screaming Sax. Saxman was scared. He was devil Saxman <laughs> to me. I didn't like him. The Saxman would like come up to Nick and like, he, you know, how saxophonists like bob back and forth. 
But Nick was just like jaw agape. Like I was eyes I was wide, dead like, forward and trying not to look at him. And like, and I think he kept coming by because I wasn't responding to him. Pupils are your and whole eye. It, like, because there was one point where he did a solo and everyone clapped, and I was just like, like I was focusing on like the fucking like goat in the background, like on the screen or whatever. And then like all it, the goats, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I, Katie, I was like, I was like, so you you got goats too, right? Like it's, <laughs> she was like, yeah. <laughs> that was when I told her I was like, this is the weirdest night of my life. <laughs> um, but guys, we're not here to talk about the Beach Boys. I mean, we kind of are. They didn't even uh, they didn't even acknowledge this album. <clears throat> That's not true. Okay. What Dennis Wilson. <laughs> Born in Hawthorne, California, December 4th, 1944. Son of Audrey and famous fucking asshole Murray Wilson. He was a middle child, like we said. Brian Wilson was his older brother. He was born 42, something like that. Two years apart. Yeah, yeah. and then Carl was born in 46. Um, initially, s- sort of the legend goes, Dennis Wilson was like the only beach boy that actually surfed. He I was, did read that. He was like, like where the actual surfer guy. It's where like yeah. the image comes from is him. Yeah. And he was kind of, not that he wasn't talented, but he wasn't the most musically inclined one. They kind of like he was kind of the party boy. Yeah, right? he's a party boy. Uh, the three brothers would like they'd practice harmonizing in their bedroom, so they all just had a knack for that. That and, makes sense because they have like such. I mean, not saying that um, you know, it. I mean, just just watching like old live videos of them, it's like it's so fucking natural. Yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah, like, it's, it's just like. <laughs> But it's like it's, it's literally family chemistry. Yeah, it's like to the point where like they they know how like the other ones are gonna move like uh-huh. the notes, so it's like they just know like the inflections and stuff really well. Are you gonna in your in your little um, sum up? Are you gonna talk about how long Dennis Wilson was in the Beach Boys? Because um, I'm curious about that. Yeah, we can we can cover that. I'd like to know that. Um, so yeah, basically he was kind of marketed as the cute one. So like. Murray Wilson managed the band for the first handful of years and like would kind of shove Dennis Wilson into lead singer spots when he really didn't have that strong of a voice back then. Um, but he was the one that when he, when he would drum, he'd kind of like bob his head back and forth and smile real big. And like, he was the one that the girls like fainted over. The other ones of them were kind of like, you know, average looking too goblin-y, <laughs> but Dennis Wilson was very cute. Um, he, on a lot of the famous Beach Boys recording recordings they actually used session session musicians so he wasn't really like he wasn't on surfing usa it's kind of hard to pinpoint where he was and wasn't um but that's not to take away like he was actually a pretty decent drummer was Um, it because he was like drunk and high all the time and was wasn't consistent with uh, appearing for not recording not back then i think it i think it really was just I, i don't know they Brian Wilson kind of wrote the songs, they sang them, and then they hired professionals to do the mu- the music. Huh. And then when they tour, they would play the music. You know what I mean? So like, it's not like he couldn't play. I mean, that is kind of, that makes me think of like uh, when we uh, on our old show when we did um, Howlin' Wolf. Like every song had different people on it. Yeah, you know, like that's just kind of how recording music was so. back then. And it like the Beatles were one of the first like, this is the band. Every one of them plays an instrument and sings. Every one of them is important. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the Beach Boys were kind of had the, the boy band thing going on. They all sang, but it just wasn't as important to play your own shit back then, I guess. I'm not sure. Um, but he actually was an early 
progenitor of an, a drumming style called open-handed drumming, where instead of crisscrossing your arms to do the hi-hat and snare. Yeah, you'd, you'd arrange yeah. it that way, yeah. Um, which is just kind of interesting. It's weird you know? that no one like did that before. Yeah, it, it's like... It just wasn't the uh, the proper technique, I mm-hmm. think, is the whole thing, you know? Yeah, and he had one of the earlier uh, recorded rock drum solos. Yeah, pretty much that, but for like a minute, you know? That's cool. So he actually did do some kind of cool stuff as a drummer, and a lot of that just comes from how insanely popular they were. Yeah, yeah, like, you know... They were in the stratosphere. Yeah. Beach Boys, like... Would you say they were probably like the second most famous band after the Beatles? I'd say they almost for a while they're like traded off. Yeah. Like I mean they were like direct competitors. They, they were the biggest band in America mm-hmm. and then right right then is when like the British invasion happened. Yeah. And they were kind of knocked to 2 and 3 and 4. But you know they And then Mike Love goes, "Those damn Brits." Yeah. He, yeah. He'd so use like a real derogatory term. He'd say something a little bit like, Ugh. And you're like what were like you know? It, I guess it was like the Beatles, um, the Rolling Stones, the Who, the Who, Kinks, Yardbirds. I don't know if they like toured around or anything, but um, and then Beach Boys. I'm just curious, like what the biggest bands of like the late '60s were. Other this, than Beach this would have been and, like early mid '60s. When did Pet Sounds come out? Like '64, '65. Okay, I believe so. There's stuff leading up to Pet Sounds, like you know the you know Surfing USA. Yeah, and I know I know. Uh, uh, wouldn't it be nice? And um, so, wouldn't it be? That's it. That's on Pet Sounds. Yeah. yeah like Le- uh, leading up to Pet Sounds, they started incorporating different instruments and different recording techniques. Stuff influenced by like um, Phil Spector. Mm-hmm. Brian really took that kind of method to heart, where you you build up this wall of sound and use blend instruments and just kind of create this like experiment, huge more. thing. Yeah. yeah. That's what we were talking about last time with uh, Meatloaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And he started bringing in like harpsichords, sitars, just weird shit that you didn't hear on rock records. Yeah. Um, and that sort of paved the way for like Baroque rock, psychedelic stuff. Um, then Pet Sounds came out and that was like uh, just a, a really, 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 really influential, like barely even a rock album, but it was sort of just like this orchestrated melancholy piece of art that through the lens of like a group of surf rock guys yeah like, and stuff which with, is with like the, the same a, harmonies yeah but like just a totally different weird sound going at it at a completely different way basically yeah. yeah and this this was the time they were really competing back and forth with the beatles brian wilson kind of became overwhelmed there's a lot of different takes on this but he started using drugs i think kind of became overwhelmed with, with the pressure and like just kind of really just they say he had a mental breakdown yeah which i don't know how true it is or not but he he really withdrew and then the stuff after pet sounds was sort of more of a a group effort and that's when dennis wilson started contributing his own music Mm. so he did on 1968 friends album he did little bird that was like his first contribution um be still on 2020 which was the album after friends they they used a charles manson original song never it was called cease to exist but they changed it to never learn not to love and just didn't credit <laughs> charles manson they literally just took his song was it dennis who is like yeah like D- his buddy or yeah. something so yeah or like he was just involved in like the uh this the was because they were like i mean i think a lot of people forget about like the 
the one of the most fascinating things about the Manson stuff is the fact of how mainstream at a point, like in Hollywood, he seemed. Like you know, it was like it, it was like no, this was like a prominent group. He wasn't just like some crazy. He was really guy. popular. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you know. real quick before we go further, uh, on the Beatles, uh, Beach Boys thing, I'm just like picturing like like the members of the Beach Boys and the Beatles like meeting up like in a street, and you know they've got <laughs> like, like soccer hooligans. They've got like, like a chain like wrapped around their knuckles, you know, and like they just have a brawl. The canonical version of that is Mike Love went with the Beatles to India with um, Masarashi or yeah. I, I probably said that but it, they're yogi uh, I don't know they were all getting into like transcendental yeah there's a really famous like story of them going to the mountains or whatever yeah <laughs> is that like what a... Walk Hard is making fun of yes, yes. okay <laughs> yeah direct <laughs> and you remember the scene in Walk Hard where he's like all scraggly with a huge beard wearing like a dashiki uh huh That's and he's like the studio. Yeah. I need more didgeridoo in the mix yeah <laughs> I yeah. can't hear the goats. Yeah. That's Brian Wilson. Yeah. Um, him fucking Jack Black play Paul McCartney. And, yeah, I think so. Because yeah, I remember him going, why, yes, of course, because I'm Paul McCartney, singer of the <laughs> Beatles. The Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you try some LSD? I think one of the funniest, like, lesser, like, mentioned jokes in that movie is the very end when it cuts back to present day and Tim Meadows is like, don't interrupt him. He has to remember his entire life before every show. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just bent the whole movie is him leaning against the wall. Dude, that show, that movie was so good. He's got to reflect on his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, this so this is like 1968. Dennis Wilson is just like party animal, king of the world, basically, hanging out with charles manson for some reason just like weird drifter socialite guy you know he, he just like went to weird sex parties with Ch charles manson <laughs> i no no one really knows but like he just started like bringing him around and like the other guys in the beach boys would say like they fucking hated it like he was a weirdo and they were like but they they like apparently there were some like recording sessions and shit they were like trying to help produce charles manson music and then like he did eventually distance himself and then all the crazy shit happened the murders yeah um so you know it was kind of a good-natured like dumb fuck moment yeah in the dennis wilson story <laughs> um so yeah then uh it, it kind of just kept going on dennis played sort of more and more of a part in writing and producing further albums like sunflower he did uh forever which is like my favorite song um sort of heinously co-opted by Jesse and the Rippers. Do you remember that, Max? No? I shook my head off off mic. I'd fall. I so <laughs> Katie and I <laughs> Katie and I have been watching Full House. And like the Beach Boys are on that show a lot. Yeah, yeah. Just the music is probably those, the, it's probably those the, Manson. The Beach Boys. Probably really? Those, yeah. Probably those Manson connections. Probably. <laughs> but there was <laughs> it's a weird there's gonna be a documentary that comes out next year. It's like dark his the dark hollywood history of full house and it's all <laughs> fucking charles manson and beach boy shit no charles manson wrote the pilot episode of full house <laughs> <laughs> he ghost wrote the whole show it was his manifesto weirdly <laughs> enough <laughs> <laughs> it's his story we Guys, all start he noticing, is danny tanner we all start noting, noticing like all this weird like hypnotic cult shit in full house and stuff <laughs> Dude, there's swastikas all over that Dude. house <laughs> so anyways in this episode, for, for, since they always show up, Uncle Jesse is just friends with them. And there's an episode where uh, Uncle Jesse's record label 
turn them down because they're like, you don't have a hit song. Yeah. And the Beach Boys come over and they do like a stupid sing along version of one of their songs. That's right because that was what the, that was like the first time I heard Kokomo as a kid was on Full House. Oh yeah, yep. He's in the official video. Yeah, that was before Full House. He wasn't even. He wasn't even full. Ha- he he's just friends with them. Yeah, he's just friends with them. It's just a weird thing. We've just we, hey, we've got this like handsome guy. <laughs> I think literally that's it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So then Uncle Jesse is complaining to them that he doesn't have a hit song, and he was like, "I wish I had something like Forever Man," and they said, "Take it. It's yours." And then he like recorded that really shitty version. <laughs> Anyways, it's heinous. <laughs> um. <laughs> 1977, Pacific Ocean Blue. This took him several years to write and record. Um, it's his only finished album. Mm-hmm. There, there are tracks from the next album that exist, Bamboo, that you can listen to. But There's like an hour and 45 minutes of extra songs on the Spotify version. Yeah, that's what it is. It's just unfinished stuff. I didn't, I didn't listen to any of it. So I, I listened know. to some of it, and it fits. It does feel kind of unfinished, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't... I've never really gone through that stuff i did i was reading this this album was uh after release in 77 it was not re reprinted or anything until 2019 with the caribou caribou blue stuff that's interesting because it's very interesting i it was not a big seller yeah um, but it's like critically adored i had, i had now. read on i you know i just read the wikipedia article on this and it said some stuff about um that he he said that he thought his brothers were jealous of it and that they they wouldn't listen to it and they didn't like that he had his own thing. But then one of the brothers said, it was after he died, he was like, it's very good, but I will never listen to it because it's my dead brother. Yeah, I, I think I read that. He said it, it's just, it's kind of it's like weird. hard for him to... Which one is that, Carl? Or Brian. Uh, oh, Brian said that about him. That's interesting. But the quote that I read from Brian Wilson was that he... He came when it was finally finished. He hadn't heard anything from it. Listened to it and, and was like blown away. Like thought it was great. Great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, this is completely produced by Dennis Wilson and Greg Jacobson, who I don't know who that is. We it's all know like, Greg Jacobson. Okay. It's like one of his songwriting buddies. GJ. Yep. Uh, it was recorded at Brother Studios. Brian, or sorry, Dennis Wilson plays all the keys, pianos synthesizers you name it he played the drums on this he played some drums yeah I think I saw he, he played he's credited with some of the drums yeah he played tuba violin steel guitar viola cello he just played a ton of shit then notably there, there's a long long list of people on this album but Carl Wilson played guitar Hal Blaine did drums Hal Blaine was the session drummer on most of the Beach Boys hits Bruce Johnston did oh. some backing vocals Ricky Fatar was the other drummer in the Beach Boys when they had two drummers for a while for some reason. And then Dean Torrance, who is a surf rock guy from the band Dan and Gene. Jan and Dean, sorry, who, you know, you guys don't know, but that's okay. Who played the uh, the brass, or was that all synthesizer? I couldn't really tell. Well, there's definitely a real trumpet in there. Yeah, there's a trump. I, I don't know. I could pull it up, but Dennis played the tuba. I know that much. That's cool. That's a weird thing. <laughs> Pacific Ocean Blue, when it was released, sold better than the Beach Boys contemporary album, Beach Boys Love You. Um, That's a bad name. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Was that Mike Love's idea? No, that was that was like marketed as Brian Wilson's return. Oh. It's a fucking weird album. Was Carl Wilson Not still for in beginners. the band? <clears throat> yes. Not for beginners. Yes. So how long at this point 
had Dennis Wilson not been in the Beach Boys. He's in the Beach Boys. Oh, I read that at some point he got he got like fired because he would he would like show up drunk to shows. They like they tell him go home for a month. Oh, okay. They like they always had another drummer, so like he would just kind of like come up and drum sometimes, sing a song, and then like walk off the stage and fuck around. You know, he can't. He he was just like did whatever. The story of the beat and nobody seemed to be bizarre. like, Like I'm sure they were frustrated, but it just was what it was. That's insane. Yeah, the Beach Boys is such a weird thing um especially considering they started as this like bubblegum pop rock thing and turned into like they have some really really bizarre shit in the late 60s and 70s mm-hmm. and they're like guys with like fat guys with beards like mm-hmm. singing i don't know it's just they're they're weird um so yeah he he continued to perform with the band at varying levels he kind of became unreliable um basically would come on and off stage whenever um he dated Christine Christine McVie for a while. I saw that. Um, did you read the quote from uh, Mick Fleetwood? No. He said, so Fleetwood Mac was notorious from, uh, essentially from like uh, the self-titled album 75 through um, Tusk, which was in 78 or 79. They were like hardcore party animals, you know, like just cocaine and fucking was like all they did. Um, and Mick Fleetwood said that... Dennis Wilson was the only person he ever saw Christine McVie like struggle to keep up with. I don't know if that's cool or like sad. It's probably it's you don't know if it's cool or badass. Yeah. One of those <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's either badass or fucking awesome. Or fucking sick. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this kind of continued until December twenty eighth, nineteen eighty three. He was thirty eight years old. Got in some drunk fight with his wife or girlfriend or ex. I'm not sure. She was like throwing stuff off of their boat and he was diving in to get it into like the freezing water and just didn't come up. Drowned. Yeah. 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 I, re- I, I read that he like in the last few years of his life kind of would just, he was like homeless and like kind of lived a nomadic lifestyle and would like go into rehab and then would leave and no one would know where he was and then he'd show up again and yeah, just yeah. a really sad like last part of his life. Yep. Interesting, sad and good uh musician let's find out let's talk about that album cover what do you guys think of the album cover it looks kind of like a political poster where if you just like put the red white and blue over him um a little bit uh but i mean no i think it's pretty cool i mean i think it's cool um i mean it says uh it says mature beach boy is that (laughs) what it says no i mean that's just what i i I think it says when i when i think about it i i like the cover it's very somber 70s album cover face guy he got a big beard he looks like a friend of charles manson yeah oh for sure yeah it's funny though i, I never i didn't notice before dennis is in tiny orange letters between wilson yeah they were i guess trying to market his, wilson the wilson's pacific ocean blue huh guys yeah um yeah so why don't we go track by track break down the album track by track give our individual thoughts comments and critiques on each song sounds good to me let's do that river song track one what'd you guys think the piano instantly reminded me of Cheers. <laughs> so much shit reminds you of Cheers. That's not true. You, you this do. is my first mention of Cheers here on this to, podcast. Is it? Yeah. A lot of jazz reminds you of Cheers. No, that was uh, Dennis who said that, I thought. That was you. That was me? Yeah. Oh, well, I think like I was Cheers. like showing you a song and you were like, sounds like Cheers. <laughs> it was like, I don't know, just some jazz shit. Sounds like Cheers. No, but uh, um, I like how ethereal this song is, like right off the bat, kind of. Um, 
and when that like main his main vocal comes in like for the first time it's uh yeah it's yeah it's like it's 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 like wavy yeah yeah it's such a nice wave of over the chorus of like voices Mm -hmm. like that are behind it and stuff um uh, really uh, i this goes i put this on probably every song but i just say like really great backing vocals all over the place and um there's a my favorite part of this song is um uh, when it goes full nordland all of a sudden and it's just (laughs) and it fucking like that that, yeah (laughs) it's nordland as fuck for those wondering nick is referencing the 2004 bathory (laughs) album nordland one i'm also just representing uh what 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 we would refer to as uh skyrim music of just yes skyrim which is just nordland but yeah this song is very like uh and and forgive me this is way off but like this is kind of like what the beatles sound like like later beatles Mm. a little bit where it's just this very like I think you're okay. So you're saying because it's like, it's like template, old school rock and roll, but with like more experimentation and, and stuff. And it's very on top. grand. Yeah, yeah. There's you know. It's, I get that. I just don't think that this really sounds like. I get the the motifs maybe, and the ideas, but like it doesn't really sound like later Beatles to me. Maybe you're thinking of something like the end of Hey Jude, where it's like piano and a big round. Uh, no, it could no, be, no, you know, no, and like, no. didn't John Lennon do some solo stuff? Um, yeah. In yeah. general? What's your question? <laughs> I mean, there's just, there's, maybe I'm thinking of that, but I don't know. The Beatles adjacent did, music. Stuff, but yeah. um, it just makes me think of that kind of stuff. This song has that very. It's part of that it, experimental version of the 60s that, which is, I think what makes that decade kind of unique is because of bands like the Beatles and the Beach Boys being the biggest bands in the world. And then even the biggest bands in the world were doing experiment. They were doing just things. lots of weird shit. Like that's that that says a lot, I think, about uh, why that decade is so important in terms of uh, progressing music, um, not just like musically, but like even recording techniques and things. That's, that everybody was. That's really like why the Beatles are important. It's not because they did the shit first. It's because they were the biggest thing on and, earth and they did it shit. making it like putting eyes on it basically yeah yeah, yeah. they said we're gonna yeah. smoke pot grow our hair out and do this trippy shit and then it it became okay. culture yeah yeah thank god shit would have been real stuffy like look at tv shows in like the early 60s like leave it to beaver it's like dude that that world looks like it sucks yeah yeah um yeah this like this is nauseating a, how fucking like american pie american dreamy like that 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 culture seemed to be at that time like i would fucking kill myself you know it's good as shit though (laughs) early beach boys yeah you know you know it's good as hamburger stand (laughs) the leave it to beaver tv movie from the 90s where they modernized that shit but kept it like in the 60s that shit ruled he gets stuck in the cup at the end remember that i I saw that movie. I don't know. There's like it. there's like a diner that they always go to, you know, and it's got like a big giant fake coffee cup above the building and he gets stuck in it. I'm pretty sure that was all scenes like just from the Leave It to Beaver show that they just redid. Remember Maybe, that we had but that. then they did the dub. They did they did a dub. No. Beaver did the dub. <laughs> no, Beaver did the dub. Have you guys seen the Brady Bunch nineties movies? Yeah. I've never seen them. They're really funny. I didn't understand them when I was a kid, but it's they're like really meta from what I remember. Yeah, it's the the Brady Bunch exactly as they were. The same exact house, the same exact like s- late 60s attitudes and like lovey-dovey shit, but in like the mid-90s. 
And everyone around them is like, what the no. fuck are these people doing? <laughs> that's funny. It's hilarious. I that's, was like, say, that's like putting, that's like the idea of, you know, putting the Adams family or the Munsters in like the modern setting or something like that. Yeah. That's what they did with the Adams family movies. Oh yeah, I guess. Um, but I was going to say just what the Adams family were. Oh, yeah. Remember we, we had like in the nineties, we had a whole slew of, it was just, you know, like shows from the thirties through the sixties. They were like, let's fucking make a movie. We had Dennis the Menace. Leave it to Beaver, Adam's family. Starsky and Hutch. Starsky. We had that in the 2000s. Yeah. There were uh-huh. Stooges yeah. in the 2010s. Uh, uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Three Stooges. Oh, <laughs> I forget about that one. Oh, but because uh, um, there was also the uh, Dukes of Hazard movie. Yeah. And there was, there, I, I, th- like that I feel movie. like there was a new <laughs> Smokey and the you Bandit. You would like that movie. That was a good movie. You would like that movie. You just liked it because you liked seeing Jessica Sampson. The quietest fucking whistle. My lips are so dry. (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) What else do you guys have to say about River Song? Uh, It's a solid opener. I think it's a strong opener, yeah. And like I said, that that Nordland part gets me every time. It's so cool. Very post. What do you guys... (laughs) Shut the fuck up. (laughs) What do you guys think about the structure? Because this is... It's kind of indicative of the rest of the album. It's not a pop song structure. It's something I wanted to uh, touch on. Uh, quite a bit with this album is that the songs either have an interesting uh, flow where they they kind of you know they just progress from part to part without a lot of callbacks or it's an a b c a b and then the song's over yeah you know like short and sweet kind of thing the songs are either like kind of half-baked feeling or they're really interesting uh flowing pieces yeah yeah something that. that the beach boys started doing in like the late 60s is a song would just be like one or two little, almost like a jingle, and they just like do it a few times, and then it would be over. And it's like, okay. But this is kind of that extended and like, you know, yeah, blown into a really, really big, high pro- production version. The the production on this is phenomenal. This yeah. album sounds fantastic. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, I don't know if this version is remastered or anything, but it's very it's very clear. Everything is, is you know, nice and punchy and... I, I would assume it is because it's that one with the extra stuff on it. Mm-hmm. So it's probably been touched up, remixed, or something like that. I don't know. I think he just did a good job. Like, I mean, I'm sure he did. Yeah. Either way, I just mean he's also a very good piano player. Yeah, yeah. When I first heard this, you know, I was already a Beach Boys fan, and I was like, I know Dennis Wilson. I like a couple of his songs. This came on, I was like, what the fuck? Like, this guy's a, a brilliant genius too. Mm-hmm. You know it. it I just yeah, I love it. I love his voice on this and the his you can hear that he was he'd had hard drug living yeah. in his voice though. Like his voice does not sound like a thirty five year old or whatever he was. My favorite of that is Wasp. Um by their third album, Inside the Electric Circus, Blackie Lawless, like you it just sounds like his voice is like coated in like whiskey and fucking <laughs> yeah. cocaine. <laughs> it I mean, if you do that right it kinda works. It's not a healthy way to live, but but you just sound cool. In Dennis Wilson's case, he sounds so much fucking better than he did on the early Beach Boys shit. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so moving on, what's wrong? This one um, kind of reminds me of what a more like, I guess, stereotypical Beach Boys arrangement would be like with this song. I think, um, uh, but but it's just it's like a boogie kind of thing. Yeah, but it's with kinda... but with him, it's it, with it being like just him, it gives it like a totally different kind of vibe. You know, mm-hmm. like, I didn't really care for this one. It's a little in one ear out the other for me. I, I like how it sounds. I mean, like, um, but the only like real standout thing for me is 
when uh kind of what we were just talking about i guess but when he reaches that like his uh strained level of singing mm-hmm. i like his voice a lot yeah he sounds he's really sounds pushing good. Oh, no, no. Yeah. yeah but um but yeah this one is just kind of it's it's not bad or anything it's just a little in one ear out the other for me this my, one this one to me doesn't uh, like at first it wasn't one of my favorites because after that first track it's just so different you know what i mean it, it does it, it feels almost way more standard yeah it's like he's going he's straying from this beautiful thing that felt really unique into this boogie piano kind of like smoky bar song this album yeah this album's very his ideas are all over the place yeah a little bit um this song kind of like my main touch touchstone for references with this is is you know like 70s fleetwood mac which Mm -hmm. you guys know that's like i'm a big 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 fan of that but that's kind of one of the few like i guess like adult soft rock like bands that i like that's pretty valid here yeah, this this is really contemporary with that. This sounds a lot like stuff from um, those those three albums I mentioned earlier: Fleetwood Mac, Rumors, and Tusk. Um, but like this song reminds me of like the songs I I don't like I always skip over, mm-hmm. you know, on those albums. I don't think when I when I first listened to this album, and I know this is a bit more of an overall thought, but when I first listened to it, I you know I only had like one headphone in. I was like working and stuff, and so like I kind of my first impression was like. I like a lot of the weird, ethereally, more experimental stuff on the album, but I was like, I feel like half of it is skippable, like sort of not, you know, Beach Boys, but, mm-hmm. but not as interesting type thing. And then I realized like on uh, multiple listens that there's really not a lot of songs like this on the album. I feel like it gets pretty cohesive by the end. I had the same like, experience as you, where the more I listened to this, the more I kind of was like, there, there's not as many songs that I don't feel like were uh I, I remember thinking like the first listen like there's there's several songs that were kind of just whatever and then the more listens those kind of faded away till it was just a couple yeah yeah that, that's exactly what I mean yeah. yeah it just wasn't as um evenly split between those two sounds as I thought it was initially yeah he's kind of got like dirty sleazy guy attitude and then like romantic poet guy yeah. attitude I like that more. Like super introspective yeah. shit. Well, but even but sad even sad guy who like wants to drown. Yeah, but even those uh even those songs that sound more like skeevy, like lyrically I think they're all kind of pretty similar. I mean like yeah. um, they're all kind of coming from similar he, places. He doesn't have a lot of different like lyrical ideas. Yeah. He's, yeah. There's like But I kind of like that though cuz rock even, and roll, Jesus and Yeah. I don't know. But I kind I, I kind of like that because even on even on I, this might work as transition if we're done on that one. But like uh, even on songs like Moonshine, where it's like the lyrics aren't really like what you would expect from a song called Moonshine. <laughs> you know, like it's a, mm-hmm. it's more like a a weird introspective slam poet type thing <laughs> or something. You know, <laughs> like it's like yeah. it's it, but but in like a good way. You know, I mean, like I know we made fun of slam poetry on the uh, Arcade Fire episode, but like uh, while well, I was making fun of that type of slam poetry but not this kind yeah not this kind <laughs> i am a boy from the beach <laughs> Woo! and then i look down and walk off um yeah moonshine's another pretty like oh, re- real real quick my final final thoughts on what's wrong this one actually grew on me progressively you know i've i've been listening to this album for a few years you know pretty frequently honestly and this is one that kind of gets 
stuck in my head randomly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's merit to it in that it is kind of more traditional and just catchy. Yeah. That I, I want to say something too. That like I love the seventies like like soft rock stuff like this. The skeevy songs. Like Christine McVie and Fleetwood Mac was really her her songs were always like the real horny ones. But they're always just like, you know, but like the lyrics are like, I it's like want a you. fucking, fucking Adam Stanley soundtrack. <laughs> but the lyrics are like, it's, just, it's blues. They're like, I want you to fucking come on my face, <laughs> you know, it's but it's like the most before hair metal, it was blues. Yeah, it, it's just, just funny. That was the. That's the heaviest thing they had. Yeah, gyrating hips, yeah. All right. Moonshine, what were you saying? Uh, it's This is more. This is the stuff I like more where it's just, like Nick said, it's kind of ethereal. The It's almost like weird. Like Since you said Jesus, he made me think of like almost like gospel-y. Yeah. There's some yeah, gospel yeah. I think River's song, song is the most gospel-y, but I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, it's just There's very... more gospel-y lyrics than River song on this album at least. Yeah. But uh, but I see what you're saying with like the harmonies and stuff in the background. like it's And even those movements, like... But I was talking about the the Nordland part, like that, like moves, and then they introduce the other part back in, and it's like one of them feels like it's like, oh, this is like kind of oh, the, off time, like the like type gone thing. gone away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, this is. I, I don't have a lot to say about this one. Yeah, this um, one's just like I, you know, it, it, this got me thinking. I was like, are the ones that are the ones that sound like they'll be introspective songs going to be like the ones I don't care about and the ones that sound like party songs actually like really weird and like ethereal <laughs> because like that seems like the first half of this album is kind of like that uh, but yeah no I like the, I like Moonshine it's just kind of like a peaceful uh, introspective song and uh, um, I don't know if you guys don't have anything else we can I, move to Friday I'm, night but I'm always struck by the line where, where it says it was you who said there won't be tomorrow you know like that always really catches me for some mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. It's just like it's a cool line. Cuts through. There's a lot of like standout like lines like that, like that I I would notice sometimes. At least like I feel like I need to listen to this album more to like really have it stick like that, but there are like just parts where I would be like, "Oh, like, you know." Like, yeah. The, just the a nugget would kind of stick with you or something. It's like, a weirdly not catchy album. Like it's it's an atmosphere thing. You know what I mean? And there are hooks and lines, but they're not repeated a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and part of it too is like like I mentioned earlier, um these uh, these songs are for the most part really short. Like they don't stick around. Yeah, they're all like averaging at like two and a half minutes. Uh, yeah, which was very surprising my first time through where That's like Beach Boys though. I mean the Beach Boys yeah. records are like that. Really? Yeah. They have an idea, do it once or twice, and then it just fades It's kinda funny, that's how like almost um a lot of uh I guess now since it's kind of the most popular music in the world, but uh, modern hip hop and doing that a lot in the past yeah. several years where it's like each song it's like they don't drag it on or get more verses it's like no if it's a fucking two minute song we that was like two the, verses two choruses that's the Dirk it. album we did yeah sense. songs were all really short yeah it's like pop music has come kind of come back to that where it's like don't uh, over repeat and overstay which is actually like a thing that I kind of like and I mean you make more songs you could sell more songs <laughs> <laughs> let's move into Friday Night this was my uh, Hall of Bangers nominee um, I'll give it Hall of Bangers. It's, <laughs> I put Nice Darkness Tribute. Why? That song, uh, Friday Night by The Darkness. I don't know that one. Oh, you know that one. How's it go? Sing it. Do the falsetto. <laughs> <laughs> um, how does it start? Uh, oh, hey you, do you remember me? 
I used to sit next to you in school, and we indulged in all the extracurricular activities. We okay. weren't particularly cool. Oh, Monday cycling, Tuesday gymnastics, dancing on a Friday night. Okay, yeah, I do remember <laughs> so, that. Yeah, that's that's like the Cure song. It's but a good happy. Song. Yeah, it's you a good what song. I always think. And then of. he does that. He has that um a vocal solo where he does the growls. And he goes, hoo, 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 <laughs> <laughs> the darkness fucking rules. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> They're ridiculous things. Yeah, yeah. I do like the darkness. Huh? Yeah. I, you, one we those... can look at it objectively now and we're like, that fucking rules. You talk about like that first darkness album a lot. <laughs> it's a really good album. Um, I What I always think of is That's Saturday That's still night. one of the best shows that I've ever seen. I think it's Saturday Night, the Misfits song. You know, you remember that one? Yeah. Oh. On Saturday night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but no, this song fucking rules. This song is, it makes me think of like... Um, Rainbow Demon? Oh my God. Yeah. Yes, it <laughs> does <laughs> sound like Rainbow <laughs> Demon. That's what I got. I don't know. I got that. I was like, when it, when they first started doing the riff, when it like really comes in, I'm like, it's funny because I thought of two Uriah Heap songs. I was like, I was like <laughs> Gypsy. And then it was like, no, with the organ. I'm like, Rainbow Demon. Yeah, for sure. I just want to like, say Rainbow Demon's like a top five song <laughs> of all time. I literally wrote this shit. This is like the Rainbow Demon of this album. You're <laughs> <laughs> the only person that's ever said that. I would put this in, in Hall of Bangers. This song, what, okay, when it starts, you know, and he's singing what I picture, <laughs> I picture Raphael in the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie walking around in his trench coat. <laughs> Going to go see critters. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you know, there's just like steam rising up out of out of the sewer I get, pipes. Yeah, and, I get smoky. Yeah, I get smoky. like bar room. Yeah, yeah. It's like he he just sure. broke sure. a bottle. He's sure. about to like oh shit, thrash some kid. Yeah. Dude, I saw a video the other day of this guy outside like a, a bar, like screaming at someone and throwing some throws a glass at him. And it hits head and goes doink. <laughs> I saw that too. He was standing in front of a bus. Yeah, I, I doink. <laughs> Just like holds his head and walks off. What the fuck? But uh, Rainbow Demon doesn't have a line. Shirts off your motorcycle rider. That night part's hider. That part's fucking. Cool. Rainbow Demon does have the line. Lives for his sword and his gun. Yeah. Rainbow Demon. <laughs> Why would Rainbow Demon have a gun? You don't Why know. Not? You don't know what Rainbow Demon's doing. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Second Amendment guy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Any zeroth amendment, which is a sword. <laughs> okay. no, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I'd say just to describe this one, if, you, if you're if you listening to this and you don't know Rainbow Demon, I want to recommend listening to it. You'll see what we mean. But to describe it, I'd say like it has, uh, it's got kind of like just a, a heavy, really thick soundscapey, like, Thing so a, through the whole thing, yeah, it's, groove. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's like you're you're going through like a fantasy like, uh, like synthscape. I think it was too with this song, like really hearing him, uh, sing in this way because I mean he kind of does it on track two, but this one's like full blown, like you know he's like he's really going for it, you know. Uh-huh. And I was like, it's like Jim Dandy sort of, but like not dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he got, I, it, like, I don't know. I think it's just the the attack in his voice kind of reminds me of like when Jim Dandy would do something serious in Black Oak. Here Arkansas. comes the wind. Yeah, but not dumb. Yeah, it's like there's always I, that code of like it's like if it's like for those seconds that you can take Jim Dandy seriously <laughs> when you're listening to like you know that first Black Oak record and like when I bought like, that at FY or no, <laughs> I bought it at Vintage Stock. I put it in in my mom's car, and she said. 
is he joking? <laughs> <laughs> I remember fucking Josh when we were listening to that '80s fucking uh, Black Oak Arkansas record, uh-huh. um, and uh, like every few seconds when he'd come in with a or whatever like and and josh would go they got signed like someone gave them money to record this like (laughs) i forgot about black oak he'd be like into a riff for a second and then he'd just come in (laughs) he'd be like come on man i like picture him in the the recording cool guitar riff too and then He'll just fucking ruin it. Well, the other day. Fuck. Anyway, ain't the little girl standing in the corner. <laughs> Whatever the fuck. And you're like, just, ew, stop. This is totally unrelated, but uh, just thinking of someone talking over guitar made me think about, there is a uh, Children of Bodom song where, in Children of Bodom, Lexi Leho was the vocalist, but also the lead guitar player. He played every single solo. But there's one where he says guitar before he plays his own solo. Oh, that's a classic. It's just really funny. Yeah, maybe you're not supposed to do it to your own guitar solo. (laughs) Well, he didn't play all the solos. He played every solo. No, he did not. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. On on the records, he played every solo. He was the lead guitarist. The other other guitar players were only rhythm. The only solo... That's even why... Ropalatvala played a shit ton of solos. Ropalatvala played solos on guest records. Because he didn't get to play solos on Boda Records. <laughs> I want to play the guitar. <laughs> That's Finnish, apparently. I don't that sucks. know. That's Transylvanian. I'm probably wrong about that, but as far as I know, Alexi played all the lead guitar. You're probably wrong as far as I, I don't, know. But... I don't think that's right. <laughs> what, why are you so confident about it if you're probably wrong? Because I just know a lot. Are you confident or are you right. probably wrong? I'm confident, but I could be wrong. Okay. Listen, I have a Children of Bodom DVD. <laughs> Okay. Uh, uh, if I had a complaint about um, Friday night, though, is that it uh, it ends too soon. That's the only yeah. thing. Yeah. You just got to yep. listen again. Yeah. I would put, I would tentatively, I would put this in Hall of Bangers, but it is not my favorite track. But if it is going into Hall of Bangers from all of us, then it would go into the Golden Hall of Bankfulness. Golden Hall. Yeah. Which I don't like it enough to put it in there, but I will also Those not the, block its entry. It was the rules, though. <laughs> yeah. You can block its entry if you choose to do so. But I will not. All right. I will secede this day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dreamer. Nice Aussie tribute. Um, <laughs> but, but not plagiarism. No, no, definitely not. Um, but uh, uh, this one actually, I think musically, is kind of a Black Oak style song. Like, uh, I, I really love the the horns yeah, the song and they rule hard. Uh, the that that is vocals. like the chorus. Yeah, is the horn section. The backing vocals. Um, uh, th- this might be like the the meanest sounding song on the album. I think this one. Yeah, like, like I can see him like flicking a switchblade. Yeah, hard rock. Hard rockers pay attention. I would say. Yeah. What'd you guys think of that bass harmonica? Just like on Pet Sounds. Just like on Pet Sounds. Was it the same bass harmonica from Pet Sounds? I couldn't promise that i would actually probably say no he's at the corporate like uh listening party and someone's like Den- someone goes dennis was like is that is that the one for pet sounds <laughs> <laughs> he keeps it in a glass case <laughs> he keeps yeah. everything for pet pet sounds in glass, in glass cases, cases at his house the the honestly the horns on this is what makes the album for me yeah it over the horns on the album overall you know whenever they pop up i'm like yeah this is also another jesus song I don't like that. I knew a carpenter, something, something, something. Yeah, you I, can't, you I, can't get to heaven in your your car. Yeah, I read a review that somebody he did says for this. That. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just yeah, that's a dumb line. But I read a review that somebody did for this album, and they were like, they thought it was the the Jesus lyrics were really funny, and said something like, "This dude has never fucking thought about Jesus a day in his life. Like, why, is, why does he keep talking about Jesus? Like he just thinks it's a good thing to talk about, like, <laughs> or like he, he's just into it that day. Yeah, that day. Yeah, this was the only song where like I kind of paid attention to the lyrics because I was like, is he talking about Jesus? I think even the songs that are Jesusy, which I'm like. I can't really relate to on that way or are still like within the vein of everything else on the album though. Like, and I mean, I don't, I don't, I take them more as uh less like straight up, like Judeo Christian Jesus lyrics and more like a spirituality type of thing. Yeah. He's like, like, yeah. Rock and roll Jesus. Yeah. Or something. Or music is Jesus or something like, yeah. You know, yeah. It's like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, I like, I like the, I like the, uh, the trumpets in this song. I like the dreamy, um, you know, that bridge section, yeah, that bridge section is cool. I'm I'm not super into the type of piano groove thing that it, that this song does, but I don't think it's bad. I got you. Yeah, I like the synthesizers in that in the soft section. There's like some really, I think it's synthesizers, some really twinkly, high endy, like mystical sounds. That's got to be like an like a Moog or something. I think so. Are you listening to it right now? Ears? Yes. It sounds moky to me. Yeah. Something like that, probably. I don't know. I thought it was cool. Uh, you guys want to go to the thoughts of you? Yeah. I like it. So I just have to say about this one is like, it sounds like he woke up and like didn't warm up at all, but in like a completely good way. Yeah. Like it's uh, like a fresh sounding kind of like inspired recording. Like he just woke up and walked in and was like, I got this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I can do it right now. Uh, it's like a, a good serenade. I like the piano accompaniment as well too this it's tough to say but it might be my favorite just because of that insanely heavy middle part yeah yeah that that gives me chills every single time i hear it there's a lot of like subtle background instrumentation that like builds this like into what i would i could best describe it as like a like a brooding like tone underneath underneath the underneath the piano serenade stuff yeah like uh that this is this is actually the song that I think I did I write here. Yeah, so it's here where I kind of realized like the album's hook for me, and it's it lies in that uh, the two juxtaposing sides where you have like the foundation and intention, I guess, of like a sweet, nice song, but these like weird, almost sinister vibes creep in mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit. I think that's most probably present on this song, but it's kind of in everyone a little bit. Like it's like sinister, but I don't dun, get a dun, sinister dun, like dun. vibe from him, you know, but it's just like it's the not, music it, well, has a darker tone yeah, to it. It's it's not like a like a hey there hey here's here's the evil part kind of way or yeah. whatever. It's um it's it's it, like a trip goes bad. It's it's like a musical way of like smashing these like two feelings like in life together yeah <laughs> kind of yeah, like. the, the heavy part has that has like a i don't know if it's like a cello or a double bass or something but there's like a sound underneath all of it uh-huh. that sounds like a you know like a thick string being kind of like slowly drawn across it's just really it's, like, it's gut-wrenching to me yeah and the back I, I don't know exactly what it is it feels like a backwards reverb or something on his vocals where it's like all things that live yeah one day must die if you play it backwards he says all things that die must one day live whoa yeah it'd be weird if that was true that would be fucking tight yeah and then it goes back into the uh somber but lovely 
piano intro and serenade thing. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And then it just kind of fades out. This, yeah, that middle section for me is like a high of among music. Mm-hmm. Just period. Like one of the most affecting things that's that I've ever heard and, and can play at any time and get the same feeling. Yeah. I'd say um, the next track, Time, uh, is kind of another example of what I was talking about with that song in the way that it, um, especially this one's almost more literal though because it comes off as more of like a ballad in the mm-hmm. first like part that it's structured and then he has some really great like like wailing parts on this one like vocally yeah. you know like yeah. a, like he really like is like going at it and then, and then that, that trumpet really complements the song too I really like when the trumpet comes in because it's like responding to him and like, I sorry oh what? yeah go ahead uh, uh, this was uh, I, I sent you guys a spoiler but this this was the first song when my first listen where I was like ooh, ooh I like this up a little bit um, and this is my favorite. This is my like personal favy, um, and it's because of that whole second half when everything kind of breaks down and it gets real soundscapey, and there's there's all the the all the the horns and brass and everything, and it's just so. This song is like an experience. Yeah, I get like a late night uh, rainy city street vibe. Yeah, you know, like uh, I, I I dig it quite a bit, but yeah, like um. Especially too, like I was saying with the the juxtaposing thing on this album, this one's a bit more literal with that concept because like when it does kick in for like that last minute or something, we almost get like just like I don't know if it's say ahead of its time, but like uh, almost like some modern prog sounds, yeah, <laughs> and like a lot of the guitars and stuff, and like I think I think Pink Floyd, yeah, yeah. There, there's even like there's a there's a, a panned guitar if you listen to it headphones. There's a panned guitar on the left that like. Is like kind of just like shredding at a point. The, yeah, <laughs> You're the, like, it's just mm-hmm. something you totally don't expect. The like guitar solo at the end of this is a big highlight of the album for me. Yeah, there's not a lot of guitar, but when it pops up, it's it's something that really gets you. It gets it gives this song a really great ending, and I, honestly, I I almost kind of wish that this that whole section was elaborated on a bit. More. Yeah, but Again, that is it's just it kind of, is, and then it's gone. That's, and that's kind, kind of, of what. I was gonna say it's kind of what works about it is that it just it leaves you wanting more it's just it feels like an explosion that doesn't equate the build up to me i guess like not saying it's not a good explosion it's just that it's it they're not equal to me yes i know what you mean like yeah 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 i love this one yeah this is yeah this I, is, I like this it a lot hall of bangers for me i'll say hall of bangers too it gets in then are you saying hall of bangers nah i wouldn't say it for that one dude fuck you <laughs> i only had the one you might be able to convince me of another one but i don't know no i don't have any other hall of bangers yeah. <laughs> friday night what about you and i uh um, this is a this is a classic you and i this is fleetwood mac wrote a sequel to this called you and i part two on the album we did on our old show for real tango in the night no oh okay <laughs> but you remember the song it's like you 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 and i yeah, i hated it as a closer Nuh-uh. i was like what's this horse shit it's, it's a good end. song it's like i don't remember it I remember it because I hated it. I hated you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. What did you think of the original You and I? Uh, it's all right. I, I appreciate when this album goes for the more stereotypical, in, in quotes, stereotypical beach song. Uh, the lyrics and vocals on this one, though, really hold you in the mode of the rest of the album. Uh, this is one of those that like kind of like the second track where it's like, I thought there were more of these types of songs. <laughs> like yeah, on the album yeah. in my initial listen <clears throat> and like i don't mind these songs but like this one uh, like i said it this the lyrics and like the vocal melodies are like what 
maintain it in that like introspective kind of uneasiness of the rest of the album Mm -hmm. but like the song itself like just on if you're not paying attention to like like i said the lyrics are really like the way the vocal melodies are sung it kind of just comes off as an in one ear out the other thing for me this is the most like pop song like syrupy that's when i say like like adult soft rock yeah. This is like what I think of. But I like it I like in it. that way because yeah. it is it offsets like the really dark shit that we just heard. And it's, yeah. you know, it's kind of a, you know, it, it's still not like a happy song. That, but it's, that's the difficult thing about this album for me is like I it, I would think that like the solution for me would be just to axe those songs like and just do like a cut of the album where it's just the, the other 80% or whatever. But, but like, then the album would be like 14 Yeah, but then long. I'd be like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, want that necessarily you know but like i I don't know how to we've talked about this before where like albums back then they didn't just do bands didn't just do one thing you know what i mean yeah like Mm. the everyone just did a variety and they were looking because they were looking for something to hit like you know i mean like a lot yeah and and also they just i don't know rock and roll was just a a broader spectrum yeah instead of we're doing an acdc thing or we're doing it is really fascinating to think that like this is the same year that uh hemispheres came out yeah you know and just like the two extremes whenever you spectrum whenever you factor rush into like older artist albums it's always like oh yeah they were doing that like at that time yeah weird like you're like progressive metal yeah it's like like a rush exists rush exists kind of on like their own plane almost yeah like progression for like two decades basically and they were the type of band too where they wouldn't uh, Rush would not write music like beforehand. They would go into like a rehearsal space together to like record an album, and they would just That's like cool. make their music. That's how Sabbath did it. Really, it's always amazing. To me a lot of bands the time, don't like not all the time. When yeah. Bands don't like rehearse and you know figure it out beforehand. I mean, they they are doing the same thing, but they just like spend six months out of the year doing it and that's true on vacation essentially yeah <laughs> the one percent am i right <laughs> well um i don't know uh should we move on to the title track i have a joke about this one pacific ocean blue yeah pacific ocean blues yes because he says you know the chorus is pacific ocean is blue <laughs> but it's because he read the encyclopedia article that says the ocean is blue because water absorbs colors in the red part of the light spectrum and then he's like Oh, that's why the Pacific Ocean well, is blue. No wonder. I had a weird question because <laughs> in my my lack of experience with Beach Boy uh, side projects or solo albums, is this the only example that that I guess I've heard of a Save the Ocean song by a Beach Boy? No, don't go near the water on Surfs Up. Okay. The last time I listened to this song, I kind of noticed like I was wondering why that was never thought. Also, it's a song about now. like Summer in Paradise in the '90s. You don't want to worry about that guy. Is this song about like people dying in the ocean? It's and about it's like, like about the ocean like is sad. Running. Yeah, we're, we're ruining running. the ocean. Okay, okay, yeah. Something about otters. Yeah, he said <laughs> that's one of the that's like in the first line. <laughs> but uh, I can't. I don't know what the words are. I just like the the delivery <laughs> of them. He does like because he does it. He does a, a triple rhyme right off he, the bat. He says some one line is. The flagship of death is a something. See, that's why yeah. I was like, is this about like the Pacific battles in World War Two? No, it's just about us treating the ocean bad. But yeah, I, I don't. I, I thought it was funny though, like thinking about like save the ocean songs, and I was like, why have I never thought about this for the Beach Boys? That would totally yeah, make sense. But it seems <laughs> like that's most of what they should be writing. Yeah, about. <laughs> this is a fun song, but the part was 
Wild up, wild up. That's fucking <laughs> Dude, funny. That's classic Beach Boys. That's fucking yeah. so stupid. Also, this is the only one Mike Love co-wrote. Oh, really? That's, that's a Mike Love thing. Oh, it is. He came in the studio the, and he was like, "I got, I got something for you." Where's ya. the part for he, the kids to bop, Dennis? Wild up. Literally, he would come in like good vibrations, like this masterpiece that only one person could write. He came in and added, "I'm picking up a good vibration." <laughs> Just she's, over this bullshit yeah. experimental she's stuff. She's giving me the excitations and demanded fifty percent writing credit, like sued for it. <laughs> me and me and Brandon were talking about that song. We were talking about how you know, like sixties music was this very bright, like talk show pop music, you know. And she was like, "But it's like all about sex." And I was like, "Yeah, good vibrations is like a penis vibrating inside of a vagina," you know. And she she kind of gave me a look like, "I don't like you said that." <laughs> I've well, never... what is a vibration but a, a fast undulation? How about you, Max? Have you heard good vibrations? You know, I've heard good vibrations, but, but I've never felt. you have felt... not heard good vibrations, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think we talked about this. The only time, like, I listened to music while, like, high. I was listening to Fleetwood Mac, and I felt the bass, like, enter my ear and, like, move around in it. And I was like, oh, oh, I don't like this. You didn't like it? <laughs> uh-uh. It scared I, I the shit out of me. You can, like, see it. I thought it was awesome. I was like uh, with the goats. <laughs> this is one of my favies. Um, yeah, I love how funky and I don't know. It just it it's cool and it's catchy, mm-hmm. and um, it's got the mixing of it is really cool and like you can hear the Moogie Synthy bloops in the background, like panning left and right in your like it's just it's a cool vibe. Yeah, this song definitely puts on more of uh, it's one of the songs that puts on more of like a rocking front as well. Um, I don't know. I think it's just well put together. I mean, uh, and like every song, I think I've said this on every one, but a great, uh, passionate vocal performance with some good backing tracks and uh, just a, it's a good title track. I think it. I think it works really well as the title track of the album. Yeah, it's 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 all right. It's not. Um, it's one of the one I I enjoy listening to it, but it's not something I really like. Uh, uh look for or like want. You know. Yeah. But I I enjoy it while it's on. It's not your style, but it works for what it is yeah it's a fun song yeah the next one though i love those uh that farewell my friend it has the uh the rainbow demon sounds coming back yeah. here for a bit yeah <laughs> the song's very like this song feels like i'm uh i'm like having a dream where i'm on a beach at sunset you know and like you can but there's like dolphins like flying above the water i feel like it's got like a like a funeral vibe to it maybe oh, this the was dolphins flight at his funeral really yeah oh that's okay. really sad he was he was granted a funeral at sea, which is not allowed. Yeah, it's like a members. military thing, yeah, right? But Ronald Reagan like permitted it. I, don't I know. like the Beach Boy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know is that what Reagan sounded like? Yeah, uh, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> <But> yeah, no. <laughs> I was trying to get him to make you feel better. <laughs> Sorry, I had this clip of Reagan playing in my head. I was like, oh, I does sound like. What's that he sound all. like? Do his voice. <laughs> I can't. I can't do voices. Like, uh, oh, he he was kind of like. Yeah, yeah, he's a bit more subdued than I'm. What I'm Ronald doing. Reagan. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. I got it. <laughs> okay. That's crazy though. We're gonna listen back to that and be like, that doesn't sound like him either. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the right direction. Like that was a guy. Trying that, that was to more do. like like yeah. <laughs> Did you know what was fucking weird? Was one of the like the last couple of Call of Duty games, you fucking get. Like they like made like the super realistic Ronald Reagan who hires you to like go commit like war crimes. <laughs> that seems like it like shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> it's like in the Cold War, and you're he's just like I want you to go. F- 
fucking shoot those guys. Uh, do we have anything else here? I think uh, Farewell My Friend is really sweet. And, you know, it, yeah, it's, it makes me really sad that it was his funeral song. This song yeah. made me kind of real. Uh, this was the one upon, you know, really listening to it uh, that made me realize how much the lyrics on this album are all just like cryptic poetry. Mm-hmm. Like it'll be like some repeated line randomly for a while. And like, and it's like, which I've said, that's how lyrics yeah. should be. It's just like, they're, they're like the words of a drunk melancholy man who's like smart, but can't like, can't just can't function. Together. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But I mean, like the, the lyrics are like married to the tone of the album, like fantastically, I think, mm-hmm. you know, like it just, I don't know. It just kind of works. Like, I mean, uh, and, and the fact that like the lyrics too, are very interpretive i think and like simple but like you know you can kind of apply they're kind of brilliant in that way where it's like you know obviously he's probably talking about something specific but they're kind of evergreen in the way where like it's like yeah anybody can kind of relate to this in some way i I think i think he picked his themes and and whether they were like whether this is about a specific friend dying or not the theme he kept evergreen in that way yeah yeah where it can be anybody but Mm -hmm. You know, it it it's applicable, and we've all felt this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They just work really well with the the overall tone of the album. Yeah, really well. And this song is a is a great example of it because it's really only like I don't know, like twelve lines or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, and just some of them are repeated, like verbatim, or I mean, just over and over again. And uh, yeah, no, it's a good song. I like it. Um, the um. The next one, Rainbow, has is has has one of the ones that's always in my head. The, I wanna feel you close to me. <laughs> that's one of the catchier. I put I put that uh, you have to uh, you have to have a feel good song on here in the middle of all this existential crisis shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I I mean I like rainbows I like rainbows too, but you know it's like. Uh, <laughs> and you're a mandolin fan. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate uh, um, how dynamic it is actually, especially with the mandolin um, and the, the tremolo mm-hmm. guitar lines and stuff like you know there's a there's a lot of cool stuff in there i appreciate all the interplay and uh weaving together of piano and, and guitar lines on this record yeah he does a good job of, of just utilizing his assets as you know a wilson brother really mm-hmm. yeah he, yeah, should, like he, he just says, got to sit in and use brian wilson's shit yeah this this is a very lush album you can tell that like he he was kind of like halfway there for the Beach Boys' golden years, but you can tell he was learning and like he he did absorb yeah uh, clearly a fucking. I mean, you'd lot. have to yeah. I mean, yeah. like even if you were just the party guy, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. unless you're just ignorant like Mike Love, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to the surf stuff. Yeah, the song does have that. Everyone's funny like, part. shut up. Like, <laughs> The song has the, the funniest part of the album, though, where he goes, Come on, baby. It's <laughs> <laughs> Michigan J. Frog moment. Yeah. <laughs> you, you are like the only person in my life who I have ever heard say Michigan J. Frog. And you say it like once a week. <laughs> <laughs> he comes up a lot in my yeah. life. <laughs> Tim, Tim Long used to talk about Michigan J. Frog a lot, too. That's true, yeah. Kind of a family thing. Uh, come on, my honey. Come on, my baby. Come on, my ragtime girl. girl. What a good character. <laughs> He's really not. Wasn't it like <laughs> Wasn't it like somebody found the singing frog and was like, "Look, the frog can sing." And then it wouldn't do it. That's the whole shtick. Yeah, it's like, you know, and then he and then he just goes, "Ribbit." Or and he won't put on the hat or use the cane and stuff. And then 
He's like, t- it's like the homeless guy taking him to the record executive. That's and a good the, cartoon. The guy's just like, get, get out. out. And then once they're gone, he's just, hello, my baby. Hello, my <laughs> Do you remember the meme of the cockroach that was painted over, but he was in like a, a tap dancing pose? <laughs> no. And somebody like memed a top hat and a cane. God damn it. It's like, come on, my baby. Come on, honey. That's funny. So anyways, right. end of the show. Let's close this fucker out. This is, this is a nice little dreamy end piece that and I really don't like it at the end though when the crowd sounds come in. I kind of like it because like it. even even all the with, world's a stage. It's that kind of thing. Yeah, it's I don't like it. It really sounds like the closing number to like a weird sad musical. Yeah, like I, I mean, and the crowd noises at the end just kind of like I think it works. I don't know. I never like it when there's like crowd sounds. I really, uh, you know, I've said it on every song, but I really like his voice um, on this one. He does a lot of that like kind of straininess. Uh, it just adds, like, I don't know, speaking on the, the, the way that he'll strain his voice or get really into it, it really adds to the atmosphere of the album. And, like, it, it's one of those things where you're, like, even if it doesn't sound, like, perfect, you're kind of like, this would sound stupid if someone just sang it clean and perfect. You know, oh, his, like, voice it was is, like, his voice is just, his voice is perfect. It sells it. Like, yeah, really it's like well. his character. He's yeah. got his voice has character and his words have more meaning because of that yeah yeah i think it's a good closer uh how what he died in 84 83 yeah okay how old was he when he died uh, let he me said, get that. he said 38 he's a paper i threw okay so okay so he was early 30s when he did this yeah yeah okay um i don't have much else to add about this song it's just a it's a nice little ending piece yeah yeah it it literally it, it just kind of closes it out we could jump into the the old overalls and score this beach. Yeah, Max, you go first. Okay, give me just a second, guys. Okay, for me, uh, like I said earlier, I don't I don't really have experience listening to the Beach Boys or anything besides just uh, peripheral being around Brett. Um, so I didn't really know what to expect going into this. And uh, like I also said, you know, it reminded me a lot of, of of Fleetwood Mac, both the stuff I like and, and don't like that they do. Um, the first couple of times I, I listened to this album, I was thinking, you know, like, there's a couple of good songs, like Time. Time really stood out. Um, but overall, me. But then the more I listened to it, the more I kind of picked up on more aspects of the songs and, and, and just appreciated it more. Um, and I can see why, why Brett White, this is uh, one of the albums for you. You know, like, it's just very, it's very touching. It's a very touching album. Yeah. Um, it's not quite it's like it's like close to being my thing but not quite my thing i i kind of picked this i didn't know where you would fall on it but it is it has the atmosphere and the kind of like structureless vibe that you like yeah that's i it's got to be it's got to be sad mm-hmm. and it's got to be uh 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 ethereal yes that's what i like and this album has that it's post it's post as fuck it's not post it's pre <laughs> Oh, this is post. This is pre-rock. Um, so I am going to give this album a 75 out of 100. Nice. Nice. This album, uh, it taught me that I can still be sad and introspective in my Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but, God damn it. But I, no, I, I really like the vibe of this album um, a lot. It kind of hits a sweet spot. It's sad yet kind of uplifting at points and it, it it almost feels like a happy accident sometimes in that way <laughs> where it's like it just kind of you know is doing this thing that 
is still kind of hard to define by today's standards, I think. Um, it's what, like, it's the same thing Brian Wilson had on Pet Sounds. It's yeah, like, yeah. These are kind of, these are interesting sounds, and, like, this guy sounds so fucking tortured, but it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I definitely agree. I think that, and Dennis uh, really shines here with, like, an, I think, an undeniably really uh, heartfelt performance, you know, vocally, like, through the whole thing. Um, the musicians, like, all involved on this, I know the list is extensive but like uh they they all knew exactly how to make the songs work and they create like the rest of the atmosphere behind him and uh my biggest critique that i think i would have with the album is i have difficulty really telling the songs apart a lot of the time Mm -hmm. uh it feels more like the entire album has an identity but not so much the individual songs to me Mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways i guess like when i look at it as a whole um a few of the songs kind of take me out as well as I was referring to probably the more like straight up rock oriented ones, but I get it. Like it, it would be like an unidentifiable, you know, ethereally nonsense like album if, uh, if, if you took those out and or took the more rock oriented songs out, I think. Um, but, uh, the album is, as the kids say, uh, a vibe and, mm-hmm. uh, it's a mood. Yeah. And, uh, it's one that I like quite a bit and I could see why it's sort of a, uh, gym, in the old uh, Beach Boys Reef, which is what I call it instead of catalog, <laughs> but um, uh, <laughs> it's a sea of sounds. Yeah, that's what their music catalog is actually yeah, called. Really? Yes. <laughs> I like the reef. Though. Murray Wilson. I'm gonna start that. calling it a reef. The, yeah, that's funnier. Yeah, but um, uh, I gave it an eighty. Zion. Cool. Well, okay. So I'll go now. This is one of the best things in the entire Beach Boys canon, and the the Beach Boys chronology is all really spotty and uneven and weird can i ask and, real quick yeah. have you listened to every single album that's been put out by the beach boys and the the brothers the brothers yeah not not the not all the my club stuff <laughs> um and she came down with her amino dance. uh listen to uh <laughs> what's the fucking there's a song called like summer of love or something he like raps in it oh that's oh good. i knew he would be the one to go down that yeah. road if need be oh yeah my remember name Pi- is mike love and remember, i'm here to say <laughs> remember pisces brothers oh yeah pisces brothers that was his like george harrison cash story. in uh i know george harrison yeah song. yeah okay anyways <laughs> uh so this album when i heard it i didn't know what to expect i expected some like you know, he, he's got some sentimental stuff on the Beach Boys albums and he's got some rockin' tunes. I didn't expect this level of, like, production. I, I, I really was blown away by this the first time I heard it. And every time I hear it, I can get pretty close to that same feeling. Like, Yeah, I'd say that this falls between the uh, Paul Stanley and Ace Frehley solo records, for sure. Like, it's about, uh, it's, it's yeah. right in between those, you know. Okay. What about the Gene Simmons? It's probably above the Gene one. Um, I'd say pr- maybe. We'll see. It's kind of on its own plane of existence, but <laughs> sure. I I relate this to George Harrison's debut album, George Harrison from the Beatles. Max, um, the, and that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, he, like the he, Beatles. He wrote a couple of you know kind of like career highlight songs of the Beatles, but they just didn't let him shine. Then he comes out and does this album that's like, oh, that's what this guy's been thinking this whole time. Like he's got so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like so much depth and character, and which just is beautiful, beautiful spiritual music. That's a great comparison. Having heard the album now, mm-hmm. but like those two, like you wouldn't I'd equate to each other. I think a lot of the time, just based yeah. on like what what we know about them. Okay, know? but where does this rank for you guys among like between you had you had Easy E's 
solo album, Easy Does Easy It. Easy Does It. Yeah. You right. had Ice Cube's America KKK's Most Wanted. Incredible. Really great. Right? Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you had MC Ren's. Um, Villain gosh, in Black. Yeah, I don't, I don't even remember what his was. Is that what it was? Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I don't remember that being super great. You know, you had you had Dr. Dre's uh, Compton. You know, the Chronic. Chronic. The Chronic. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Well, where would you guys place Pacific Ocean Blue among the NWA discography? That's tricky. That's a. It's like a, a brain twister. I think it's as good as Easy Does It. I don't think it's as good as America KKK's Most Wanted. So you'd give Easy Does It a seventy-five. Yeah, easy probably, does I'd it. Probably give easy does it. Less easy does that. it is kind of like straight out of Compton, point five. I would I would put this closer to like straight out of Compton to me, just because I don't. I would give straight out of Compton something in the nineties. I like out of all those albums, I think I like America KKK's most wanted the most, yeah. and I'd say it's pretty comparable. <laughs> yeah, but okay, it's the, like one of the angriest albums of all time versus it's, <laughs> it's that like it's that SoCal sound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you guys want to pit it against the East Coast and go through all the the Wu Tang solo albums? This would pit against um, like the Frankie Valley. The Beach Boys had an East Coast West Coast feud with the Four Seasons. Dude, fuck the Four Seasons. Yeah, for real though. For okay, real. I'm sorry to distract you. Or you were no, going that's over. okay. I just I think this album is like surprisingly great for for from who it came from. Um, but it do, also that doesn't like really it's surprise Magnum me. Opus almost. I think yeah. it has a it, it's it has, a swan song. Yeah, in it every has way. an increased quality because it was his only album he put out. Yeah, I think almost kind of like that Jeff Buckley record. Yeah, like it's elevated. It, yeah, and I think I talked about this on the Jeff Buckley episode because they just have kind of similar weird deaths. Yeah, water, water deaths. Yeah, which are yeah. just you know strange and uncomfortable. Um, and also there is something weird and spiritual that these songs are all kind of about water and like appreciating life and death uh, and like coping with death and stuff and then like you know several years later he drowns which just kind of adds to the mythos i guess um do you think all of them have to die drowning <laughs> i don't i don't want that <laughs> i want you to damn them right now like <laughs> no <laughs> they don't have much time left i don't want to do that you imagine the sweet old men's face that we saw play live just drowning mike love yeah <laughs> mike love and, his beady and little and eyes Bruce johnson Bruce Johnston. Bruce Johnston seems nice. <laughs> yeah. Um he's, he gets he gets out of it because he's like I wasn't an original member. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um but also it's not a perfect album and I say that because it is a little uneven. Some of the songs don't completely work even if there are parts of them that I like. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to rate in that sense. I'd say like 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 me and Max were saying though after our initial listens like it's not as uneven as like you might first think. If you first listen to, if you're listening yeah, to this for the first flows. time, and like really, it's the songs are short enough. I can listen to this album if I'm in the mood. I'll listen to it two or three times. Yeah, throughout. yeah, mm-hmm. I get, you could easily do that. Yeah, um, and like I said, some of the highs are for me the high as high as music can be. You know, it's like a Ramones album. <laughs> yeah, in that way, sure, in that specific way of having the highs of all music, and <laughs> but. Uh, no, I just mean like in terms of length mostly, but um, oh, you know, okay. it's like short little you. things that you could do. But I thought it'd be funny to compare it to the I highest this, highs of music. What did I give Born to Run? You gave Born to Run like a 91. Now you're going to start basing it off your, your other yeah, ratings? I like it more than that. Born to Run was a 91. 91? I give this a 92. Damn. A 91 for Born to Run. Wow. That's a great album. Yeah, it's fine. It was the inspiration for Bad Out of Hell. It's fine. Crunch the numbers, Max. Bing. Okay. Uh, 
Okay, this puts it at the same exact score as... Uh, that's very weird. Three. We have three albums that are rated 82.3. What? Really? <laughs> the Zombies, Odyssey, and Oracle... Uh, Chris Dane Owens, Blue Stone, and now Dennis Wilson, Pacific Ocean Blue. All right. That's a trifecta. And those are six, seven, and or five, six, and seven. So that's those are four? somewhere in the middle? Yeah. Those are about uh, uh upper 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 third. Upper mids. What did we so Headhunters is above that. Headhunters Eldritch Je- Dark is above that. Jeff Buckley, <laughs> Hancock. Oh, Jeff Buckley was higher Meatloaf, than Meatloaf, Blood Ceremony. Ah, okay. And that's objective. Yeah. I mean, hey, I can get behind that. So if, like, what, Elders Me- Dark Meatloaf is, is number one. Meatloaf is number two. No, Elders Dark is number one. What? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we rated that really high. <laughs> That's it. At the end, you were like, "We're Doom Boys." Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> All right. Um. Well, it's my turn now, boys. Give hints, us some hints. 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 Okay. Hints. Uh, they are from Finland. That's your hint. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see if anybody would guess. Um, this is a Finnish. No, this is a uh, a Finnish band. That uh, at the time they were not this, but they are currently a uh, sort of a fusion of, of progressive melodic folk and death and uh, or melodic death metal um, and kind of just melodic metal. Uh, Brett, I sent you an album of theirs like a year ago, maybe when you were, you know, you're like, what you've been listening to? And you said, you said, this is I can picture Nick listening to this alone in his room crying. Oh, 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 ah. Uh. God damn it. I know. You love this band, Nick. It's a band I like. It's Amorphous. A band, Amorphous. Oh, Amorphous. Okay. Wait. Wait. Which album? Two Onella. Ooh, okay. Their 1999 yeah. album. Two Onella. Wow, I got one. Good job. Thanks. I've sat in my room and cried to Amorphous before. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's Amorphous, Two Onella from 1999. Listen to that and join us next week. Let us know what you thought of Pacific Ocean Blue. Let us know what you're going to think about Amorphous to Onella. Yeah. No. Also, go listen to Nick's show, other show. None of my friends like comics. Yeah. Yeah, we're there too. We're all there. Yeah. <laughs> Comic books. We don't like them. Uh, no. That's what the show's about. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. It's about building a community. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> is, that your, is that your pitch now? No, really, no. It's about building community. It really, it's, a, it's, it's sort of a community builder of a show, but it, that's not the point, though. But. You have made a lot of new friends through it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And um, they all say, "I just love the premise. I just love the idea." I guess I don't know. They yeah. do. Yeah, they do. You have, you got a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody who like I talk to is always like, "I I saw that name and I was like, that's how I feel." You know, like and I'm like I, I unintentionally you, created a community, you tapped into something. We should have called this. None of my friends like black metal. <laughs> that's what it's becoming. Yeah, that's what it's becoming. <laughs> yeah. We are just picking stuff we like now. It's fun. I was. I actually, I very I very nearly uh, almost picked the new Enslaved album, and I was like, I'm not going to pick a black metal album Ugh, three times in a row. It's good. It's fucking good. It's really good. But I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to do hey, a trend. Maybe I'll pick it next time. Have Who you knows? listened to Heimdall? <laughs> Is that the album? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Heimdall. No. I won't unless you guys make me. It's so it's fucking great. good. It's really dude. good. It's awesome. It's like bonkers good. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, freaks. Thanks for listening to Now Listen to This. If you like what you hear, you can follow and interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at Now Listen to This. Or you can shoot us an email at nowlistentothispodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions, and we're always open to album picks from our listeners. Leave us a rating on your podcast player of choice. Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever. It really helps. 
Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Woo!